UFC 261 went out in a blaze of glory. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point. Let's put what's left of it on the examination table and see what we can learn. The first UFC card with a crowd since COVID saw 13 fights with 7 KOTKOs, that's the second most all-time, 2 submissions, 4 decisions, 3 unanimous, 1 split, for a total of 1 hour 35 minutes 59 seconds, making it one of the shortest main cards in UFC history. Kamar Usman's knockout of Jorge Masvidal earned him his 4th successful title defense, putting him 5 behind GSP, and he extended his UFC winning streak to 14, moving him just 2 behind Anderson Silva's all-time record. That was Gamebred's first KO loss since 2008, when Rodrigo Dam finished him in damn near identical fashion, earning Usman our Deja Vu Award. Thug Rose Nama Yunus became the first ever two-time UFC strawweight champion with her head kick finish of Zhang Wei Li, shattering her 20-fight winning streak going back to 2013. Rose's first head kick finish was the fastest win of her UFC career and the most efficient. She only landed four significant strikes. Flyweight GOAT Valentina Shevchenko racked up her fifth successful title defense, that's two overall behind Amanda Nunes, by TKOing Jessica Andrade and did so by scoring the most takedowns of her career with seven. Uriah Hall sadly became the first UFC fighter to win without throwing a single strike due to the horrifying leg break of Chris Weidman that looked eerily similar to Anderson Silva's. Anthony Smith scored the first ever leg damage-related finish of his career after 34 wins. Jimmy Crude has only ever lost to a zombie leg and a Peruvian necktie. Those are some exotic misfortunes. Final note, Randy Brown scored a one-armed rear-naked choke on the prelims over Cowboy Oliveira, earning him our I-didn't-even-know-that-was-a-thing award. But the stats can only tell us so much. The boys are gonna dive deeper. What's up, guys? Jason here with the before and after comments. <clears throat> sucks. Okay, not so much to say about that one. Jumping right into the three big title fights with this first one, there honestly wasn't much to comment on considering Andrade was only asked two questions at the pre-fight presser. But my buddy Drake Riggs managed to pull out some very interesting details about Andrade's strategy when he interviewed her for the South China Morning Post. I believe that what will work best for me is not giving her space. When you take the space away from her, I feel that she gets a little bit lost to tie her a little bit against the cage, ultimately take her down, which I've proven they can do very well, get the KO, get the submission, and finish the fight. And that strategy obviously didn't go well against Valentina, who knew everyone, including Andrade, had a false perception about her strength advantage in the octagon. I just didn't want to say anything before the fight. I really like liked it, and everyone like, oh, maybe this is something. That's why I was like, okay, it's gonna be a surprise for you. I, I will let you believe in your power. <laughs> Naturally, everyone just wants to know what is next for Valentina. Her answer is actually pretty admirable. My goal didn't change. I want to fight more uh, frequently. For me, it seems like very simple when you like, okay, this name or that name. It's like everyone do that. Show and be real martial artist. Doesn't matter who's gonna be in front of me. I just want to fight them to prove that I'm better. Of course, it definitely would not be satisfying to watch a performance like that and somehow not hear her thoughts about an ever looming third fight with Nunes. This fight is just gonna happen. And I'm not gonna like push it insane, like, oh, give me Amanda right now, I'm gonna break her face. <laughs> I'm not gonna say it because I know this uh, fight gonna happen. And um, it's just, it's gonna happen just naturally when it's gonna, everyone will feel like there is no more. Only this fight makes sense for everyone. And I will be ready for this. I'm already ready for this. 
Dana seemed to be a little less thrilled about this idea, but still open to it. Listen, they fought a couple times, and it's not Valentina's fault that she's, you know, one of the all-time baddest women on this planet. So making her move up to 135 pounds just doesn't, doesn't make sense. They did it twice. Listen, if they both come to me and they both want to do it and whatever, then, 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 you know, I'll make it happen. For the co-main event, Mike Tyson appeared to have an actually pretty accurate gut feeling about this one. But listen, Rose, that could be a walkover. You're no, absolutely no, right. That no, could be a walkover. No, it's a great fight. Uh, eat you your know, heart. Exactly. <laughs> destroy and you. she's a badass. Well, I don't think he was actually making a prediction here. It was taken for one, and Zhang definitely had some thoughts about that. But of course, much of this fight centered around Rose's comments about Zhang and the Chinese government. I always kept myself in control. I never tried to, I never really hated the person. And I don't hate Whaley or anything like that. There's nothing. I have a lot to fight for in this fight. And what she represents, like, yeah, it's better, better dead than red, you know? And I don't think it's any coincidence that Whaley is red. So that's an unexpected answer. Uh. After the fight, this was a pretty big point for Rose to address. It was a little hard just because that wasn't my intent, you know. I wasn't, I was just being myself and trying to talk about my history and stuff and my, my story. Um, never was personal against Whaley. While many don't see the need for an immediate rematch, Rose was on board for it. I, I have, um, I, it's understandable that, that she's pretty upset about how that you know how quickly it went and everything like that but um i'd be open to it i could probably do whatever i want right now <laughs> you know so it's uh it's just a matter of what seems appealing to me at the moment kind of have to let things settle i think for a bit even more so was dana who admits he usually doesn't do this sort of thing on fight night listen obviously the rematch is you know that, that's a fun fight and i think a lot of people be excited about that fight that makes a lot of sense Unfortunately for Masvidal in the main event, on top of taking a big loss like this, he's had to eat his words, which have gone viral. I mean, I, I got into 25 minutes with him and I never wobbled and he never hit my chin and I said, oh snap, I don't want to get hit again. I, I just see us in complete different levels, you know, I've, man, it, it's like disrespectful to, to bring that guy in the striking aspect. We, we can't stand together and he knows it, you know. There's a lot of other fighters that I probably wouldn't fight him on six day notice. They're going to try to break my nose, they're going to try to like hurt me, hurt me, you know. Usman's not that guy, he's never been. He's a coward. Ouch. Usman had some pretty poignant things to say about this in hindsight. What would you say is the most underrated component of your dominant reign as welterweight champion? Um, I would say uh, as far as uh, Masvidal's concerned, he seems to think it's my striking. So uh, I would say my striking. But if he hadn't done his homework, it's going to be a short night for him. Dana had some choice words for fans that still view Usman as boring. The guy's getting booed in there tonight. He's one of the best ever, and he's on his way to probably being the greatest of all time. You know, these people talk about him being boring. You're an idiot. You're an idiot if you think this guy's boring. He also has a clear next contender in line. Uh, Colby Covington was in the building. Does that seem like the fight to make now? I mean, obviously the history there. It's the fight to make. Yeah, he's the number one guy in the world. Usman seems a lot less interested and content to see a contender emerge instead. These guys got to show me something because right now I'm the champion. I'm the most active guy in the division. These guys can't just wait around and, and, and wait for me to, uh, you know, call their number. He also sees himself at the top of the sport, similar to what Habib did just before retiring. I just, I want to see it truly on Monday, pound for pound. Right now, I'm the best fighter on the planet. And, um, you know, I just want to see that on Monday. And as for those last couple of shots on Masvidal? You know, 
Those are super necessary. Now that we've given the card a thorough exam, it's time for a final analysis. Oh, what a night. UFC 261 is an instant classic with three huge stars. Valentina Shevchenko is holding that flyweight title as long as she wants, period. Rack up those records all you want, I'm for it, but please fight Amanda Nunes one more time before you two decide there's no more lands left to conquer. Zhang Weili came into her fight looking like an MMA god after her all-time great 248 performance, but Thug Rose showed up and proved us all wrong again in shocking fashion. But for the freak slam that ended her first title reign, Thug Rose has been on a different level since 2017, and at 28, there's no reason we couldn't see a considerable title reign here in her second run as champion a la GSP. And then of course there's Kamaru Usman. Is he the pound-for-pound best fighter in the world right now? It's hard to argue against it. The Nigerian Nightmare is scoring signature wins all over the place, none more spectacular than against Masvidal. If he again defeats Covington in an impressive fashion next, he won't just be knocking at GSP's door, but it might be time to start talking about where he stands amongst the all-time greats. Thanks for watching. Please give us a like and subscribe. We've got three new videos or more for you every single week. Let us know what you thought of the video in the comments below. Follow On Point MMA on Twitter and have yourself a wonderful day.